And so before we continue to study the depths of our inheritance, this unsearchable depth of the wisdom of God, the unchanging epigraph of the study of the unsearchable inheritance of Christ is the book of Luke 24:44. Then Jesus said to his disciples, These are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me that we as the participants of the body of Christ would share together with Christ all the things that are to be fulfilled that are written about him in scripture we will continue to study our collaboration with the truth of the word of God and the Holy Spirit revealing the truth in the heart what we need to do from our side to receive the right to the power to put off our former way of life so that we can put on the new way of life the book of Ephesians 4:22 through 24, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Apostle Paul, as a revelation from the Holy Spirit, he had... Uh, this uh, this information, this truth that the new person clothe our body and be enthroned within our body. The sacred person where the law of the spirit of life is, where the stronghold of life, eternal life is. It is within the spirit of man. The body, however, to fulfill this commanding order, we have been studying three vital and char charging and fundamental acts to put off, be renewed, and put on. We've noted that it is specifically your decision regarding these three destiny-affecting acts to put off, be renewed, and put on that will determine whether you transform into a vessel of mercy or a vessel of wrath. More specifically, will the coming about of our salvation happen that is given to us in the format of a guarantee, or will we lose it, which will result in our names being forever blotted out of the book of life? According to the words of Christ, many saints today that fill the churches, many, by his words, will lose their salvation and will be blotted out of the book of life for the one reason that they received their salvation not as a, a guarantee but received it as fruit, not having paid any price, their preachers tell them you don't need to pay anything you receive and you're saved explain to the people that they're saved in hope that in order to purchase a house your guarantee of the house your down payment isn't enough you are in the process of the purchasing of your house and if you don't find that complete uh, amount or sum that you need in order to purchase the house uh, or show that you will you will lose it our bank is Christ all of the promises are in him but in order to take from there you need to invest your guarantee you he says I want you to invest it and receive profit from that and with that profit 
pay for the complete form of salvation if we'd be completely saved right now we would not be sitting here right now we would already be on the new heaven and new earth in new bodies but our bodies are still aging there's illnesses that attack us this talks about what that a part of our essence is still not saved yes our spirit is saved but our soul unfortunately in some people it's absolutely not saved the scripture says save your soul having received salvation as a guarantee now save your soul renew yourself with the spirit of your mind and then by this renewed mind begin the process of clothing your body into salvation to erect within the body the stronghold of salvation remove this corruption from the body here on earth this is what the Holy Spirit intended this is what the apostles and prophets talked about in a specific format we've already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question what conditions do we need to fulfill so that by the means of an already renewed mind we can begin the process of clothing ourselves into the power of our new person who is created according to God in Christ Jesus in righteousness and holy truth relevant to clothing ourselves into the power of our new person who contains the power of the resurrection of Christ and the all armor of light we've concluded that we really need God's help in the form of his redeeming mercy without God's mercy we will not be able to cast off our old person we will not be able to renew our mind by the spirit of our mind so that our mind would not depend on our old person but would depend on our new person and we will not then obviously be able to erect the stronghold of life in our body either the means of receiving any kind of help this help as the form of the inheritance of God's mercies is the armor of prayer or worship in spirit and in truth We've noted that the genesis of prayer is inherent to the genesis of God, as it's always existed and revealed itself where God abides. Communication between the Son of God, the Holy Spirit, and the Father happen in the language of prayer, in spirit and in truth. Therefore, the extent or degree of our knowledge of the will of God, which we are studying in these three functions, to put off the old man with his deeds, be renewed by the spirit of your mind, and clothe yourself into your new person, absolutely depends on the extent of our understanding of the genesis of prayer. Prayer is the language of God, the means given to us by God, and the legitimate right to communicate with God. This is specifically why erecting an altar, which identifies the state of the heart and motive of a worshiper of God, as well as the sacrifice that is brought upon such an altar, which identifies the legit and rightful status of prayer, belonged exclusively to those people that were clothed into the rightful virtue and status of a priest. And so according to the demands of scripture, infants in Christ and people of the flesh, not looking at the fact that they speak in tongues, not looking at the fact that they practice spiritual gifts, Apostle Paul says that I speak this to your shame, you don't know God, that you are carnal, you don't have the spirit. And he says you can speak in tongues as much as you'd like, but if you have no love, then you are just a sounding symbol. 
And so you can't rely upon speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is not spirituality. It's a spiritual demonstration, but it's not spirituality. Spirituality is a humble and contrite spirit and bearing fruit. And you have to pay the price. Christ says, come and learn from me. No one will ever give you tr uh, uh, true uh, teaching freely. People have always paid a high price for education, learning. Here is the price of our life, not just a simple price. If you want to learn, Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And so these people will not, cannot be, these infants in Christ cannot be clothed into the virtue and status of a priest. This belongs only to those people who have grown into full measure of growth in Christ. This is a small uh, number of people in every church who have dedicated themselves to God, and their dedication is continually kept by the form of sanctification. A person that is clothed into the rank and virtue of a priest is a person that is clothed into the virtue of legitimate median. This person is trusted by God with the right, by the means of legitimate prayer, which is the language of God, and it, it satisfies the demands of his will, to approach God and enter into the presence of God in order to present his rights and his interests that are demonstrated in his will. Priests never demonstrate their own personal interests. They demonstrate before God his interests. One of these prayers is written in the 143rd Psalm of David, and this psalm opens up the conditions based upon which a person is called to form a legitimate foundation for God so that God's mercy may intervene into our life as well as the boundaries of those areas that we rule over and that we carry responsibility for before God. The psalm has become the subject of our next studies. Let us submerge now into these wonderful words of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness answer me, and in your righteousness do not enter into judgment with your servant, for in your sight no one living is righteous. For the enemy has persecuted my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. Therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me, my heart within me is distressed. I remember the days of old, I meditate on all your works. I muse on the works of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies, in you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord. David already knew then that without the Holy Spirit, he will never be able to go in and enter the land of uprightness. It's not enough that we study the scriptures. It's not enough that we've placed our heart 
we need the Holy Spirit who will reveal that truth and lead us into the land. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake, for your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. In your mercy, cut off my enemies and destroy all those who afflict my soul, for I am your servant. And so those persecutors of a soul is this old person who is also our enemy as well. It is from him, because of him, David's spirit failed. That is why David experienced the things he did, because of him. The phrase caused me to hear your loving kindness in the morning indicates the early morning that follows the dark night. In scripture, morning is a symbol of the resurrection of Christ, which we can see in the law of the spirit of life, which is called to deliver our body from the law of sin and death here on earth, and so destroy the stronghold of death within our body and erect the stronghold of the resurrection of Christ in its place. Therefore, in order for David, as well as us, to hear the mercy of God early in the power of the resurrection of Christ within our body, because in our spirit, everything is good. Our spirit, by nature, is inherent to God's, and the resurrection of Christ is there, and so forth. But here we're talking not about our spirit, but it's talking about our soul and our body in order to uh, put the resurrection of Christ in there so that all the aspects of ourselves would be able to be clothed into the resurrection of Christ. And so for David as well as us, it was necessary present to present to God a, a legitimate foundation or right that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart. Not to tell God, Lord, it's written there, but tell God, Lord, it's written in my heart. God will be looking at the heart. He says, imprint these words upon your heart. Engrave them upon your heart. And do it clearly so that the one who is the reader, him being the reader, will be able to read it. Because everything God will do with us, he will do according to what's in our heart. If it's clearly written, then when the time comes to fulfill a specific promise, God will fulfill it. But the fact that it's written clearly, it's you confess these words, you believe in you, and you confess, you will not be able to keep it within not stating these words. This is energy, and if, if you've received it, then you will uh, uh, say, I be have believed, and that's why I speak. And so God will do everything by the confessions that are according to the faith of our heart. And this legitimate foundation, this legal foundation upon the tablets of our heart in the given prayer are ten unique in their nature arguments, identifying the governing and almighty words of God converted into promises as an inheritance and commandments that we need to present to God as the consistency of our heart, telling God, hear me in your faithfulness and righteousness. Hear me for the sake of remembering the days of old and all of your works. Hear me, hear me for I spread out my hands to you. Hear me, for in you do I trust. Hear me, for I lift up my soul to you. Hear me, because in you I take shelter. Hear me, for you are my God. Hear me for your name's sake. Hear me for your righteousness' sake. And hear me, because I am your servant. 
I shall remind us that the virtue of a servant in heaven is the greatest rank status virtue in heaven that is first something that the Father is and then the Son and the Holy Spirit as soon as the Father speaks any words he immediately becomes a voluntary servant of that word and is vigilant that it be fulfilled. He has magnified it above all of his names and has become a voluntary servant of the word. And so in scripture, as the Son and the Holy Spirit, they are always called servants. This is the greatest uh, position in heaven. All of the apostles desire to be so. And being servants, they always said, I am a servant of yours. All the pro prophets had this virtue. And talking to God, they said, I am your servant. People think when they say, I am a servant, this is a lowly state. It's not lowly. You need to earn it. You need to pay an appropriate price to, in order to have this virtue of God as a servant and that means to be vigilant over every word that you say just as God is vigilant over every word he says and we need to state words that are God's and be vigilant watch over them and when God sees that you're vigilant over the word you say the faith of your heart he gladly will be fulfilling them because he also is vigilant over them God can't do anything for us if we will not be vigilant he has magnified his words within our body within the temple which is our body you have magnified your word within your temple above all your names that's why David says I worship before your holy temple where you have magnified your words above all your names and so in the previous services we already looked at the nature of the first argument and stopped to study the second argument. This is evidence that David's heart contained memories of the days of old and all of the work that God had done in the old days, which David confessed. They contained the redemption of God, redemption of our body, spirit, soul, and body, and he uh, spoke these promises, these these. Uh, works of God uh, in his prayers. We've noted that the symbol of this evidence is the breastplate of judgment of the high priest, which is an item of unique and continual remembrance before God, identifying with itself the legitimate example of continual prayer, with which we as kings and priests of the new covenant are to approach God in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus and constantly be in communication with him. Con continual prayer is the most powerful form of prayer that exists. And I will repeat, not prayer in tongues, together with fasting. It means nothing when it comes to continual prayer with God, because when you pray in tongues, it's not continual, and you don't fast continuously. But how do you pray continuously? In Scripture, it says you need to have a relationship with God that is not interrupted by sin. This is continual prayer, communication with God, where at any time, day or night, God can speak in your spirit. You are working, you're doing something, you're communicating with someone. I experience this a lot. I'm talking to someone, and I hear at this time how the Holy Spirit asks questions. 
And I understand that this is the spirit is already interpreting that question because I can't hear with my mind the question of the Holy Spirit, but I can hear my spirit. I hear the question and it worries me and I begin to think about it, meditate about it. As soon as God asks a question, he is going to also answer that question. He's never going to ask you a question that you know. He's going to begin everything with a question. Do you know the wondrous works of the one who is perfect in knowledge? He asked Job. And so the best part of judgment was created for and served only one element within the heart of man. This is the Urim and Thummim, the presence of which allowed God to hear man and, and allowed man to hear God. The symbol of the breastplate of judgment discovers itself in the conscience of a man that is cleansed from dead works upon the tablets of whom, in the twelve names of the patriarchs, the example of the status of legal prayer in accordance to the demands of the elementary principles of Christ is imprinted. And so when it's talking about the elementary principles of Christ, where it says we shall leave the elementary principles of Christ go, uh, going on to perfection in the original it says taking upon yourself these elementary principles not leaving them in the original it says taking them on yourself and that was translated inaccurately and so we needed to look to the original to see the real because the first fruits the elementary things the beginning things you can't leave them uh, we will then go on to perfection with taking them with us as well the 12 gold settings into which the precious stones were placed is the ruling truth of the elementary principles of Jesus Christ, which identified the order of God's given law in righteousness and holy truth that we as worshippers of God are called to demonstrate before the face of God in the legitimate foundation of or basis of our continual prayer. The 12 precious stones with engraved upon them as a signet, names of the sons of Israel, is a symbol and format of our continual prayer presenting with itself the perfect judgments of God contained in the elementary principles of Christ. With this we conclude that it wasn't the golden settings in the form of the truth of the word of God that were adjusted in size and configuration to, to these precious stones, but the precious stones being our prayers are the ones that were adjusted and are adjusted in size and configuration to fit the golden settings of truth. We need to always be vigilant in prayer, watching what we say, that our prayer be in accordance to God's demands, these golden settings, according to God's word, not what we want and how we want. Which is why the revelation of God in the form of the Urim, symbolizing the Holy Spirit in the heart of a man, can only exist within the boundaries of the truth, which in the heart of a man is the Thummim, demonstrating the principles of Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. As it is written, I have put wisdom in the hearts of all the gifted artisans, that they may make all that I have commanded you. Exodus 31, 6. That's when they built the tabernacle. Now each one is called to build each one into a holy house and a holy priesthood. And in order to build, you need to be wise. God will not place into a foolish heart his wisdom, only into a wise heart. And he will not knock to the world. I stand at the door and knock, as preachers often preach. God only knocks 
And so when a person repents, he doesn't God doesn't enter into him and live into into him and live in him. But you say it's not possible. Yes, this is so. I will bring forth an example. There's a father who bore a son. So what's living in the son? He bore him from his seed. But the father isn't living there yet. The son lives with the father. The son leaves the father, builds his own house, and now he invites the father into his house and says, Father, I want you to come, and I want my house to become your house, and that you be the owner of this house. This is an example for you. How the Son of God can live in a man. Only after we receive the Holy Spirit as the Lord and Master of our life, not baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, but the Holy Spirit Himself. Because baptism is a guarantee, it's a gift. But He cannot be a master. How can He be a master of in the life of people who are attracted by all kinds of teachings he will never go there because they don't understand him they can't differentiate good from evil they're following after all kinds of deceptive prophecies visions and all other things even uh, witchcraft that often they cause prophecies as well there's true prophecy and that everyone can prophesy in the measure of their faith. Prophecy is what you hear and receive into your heart, the preached truth of the Word of God. And when you receive it into your heart, you now have a prophecy, and you can prophesy by the measure of faith, confessing this truth for yourself and others. You can't give more to another if you don't have it inside of you. There are prophets, of course, that always prophesy, and there are those that are pro that prophesy, but they're not always prophets. God reveals to those uh, the strategy to prophets. The church doesn't know this and doesn't want to know this, unfortunately, because leaders of churches are, are blind, people of the flesh that are uh, voted for and chosen, Today, democ democracy is just uh, bursting. It's discredited today. But today, in the, still in the churches, it exists. The friendship of the Thummim and Urim within the heart of a person is the unification of two formats of godly wisdom. They state, the scriptures state, that the carriers of the Thummim and Urim are the true worshippers of God and possess the immune system of the Holy Spirit. In other words, as an ambassador, can be touched in another country. In a specific format, we've already looked at seven qualities that the heart of a warrior in prayer possesses in the first seven precious stones of the breastplate of judgment by which God can continually bring about His will upon planet Earth. And stop to study the eighth quality and the eighth precious stone upon the breastplate of judgment of our heart. Because our spirit is a priest within our essence, and he is presented in the form of the precious stone, a gate. And the name carved upon the second 
precious stone of the breastplate of judgment located in the third row from the bottom upon the tablets of our heart, being a continual memorial before God, is the name of Asher. He is the eighth son of Jacob, and his name means a captive of blessing or blissfulness, or a captive of joy. Who wants to be a captive of joy? A captive of gladness and joy. A captive of peace. Leah's servant, Zilpah, bore Jacob a second son. Then Leah said, How happy I am. The women will call me happy. So she named him Asher. Genesis 30, 12-13. We will remember that when translated from the Greek word egat, it means blessed, which absolutely corresponds to the meaning of the name Asher, a captive of blessing or blissfulness written upon the stone. The name of God presented in the precious agate according to the conclusions of a Jewish rabbinate is El El Yon, which means most high. This directs to the unlimited and sovereign authority or power of God in his unlimited expanse which he fills with himself due to his omnipresence, as well as the created by him visible and invisible creation. I always am fascinated by my father and intentionally focus my mind to eternity and however much you go you will never get to the end because it's unlimited it has no end and our father my father his natural quality of omnipresence he fills every atom of this universe being endless an endless God when people know who God is they have a completely different behavior toward God according to the meaning of the name Asher the eighth principle in the foundation of our continual prayer is the function the, our voluntary dependence of being a blessed captive of God so that we with our prayer would collaborate with the name of God most high Relevant to the subject, we already studied a series of parables and events that we became familiar with and their conditions. We learned that we can fulfill these conditions by the name of God, El Elyon, or God Most High, and destroy the stronghold of death within our body in the form of the reigning in its sin. This reigning sin identifies the essence of our old person with his deeds so that we would cast him from out of our body to hell with noise and afterwards erect the stronghold of the kingdom of heaven in the form of the stronghold of eternal life in the place of the stronghold of death within our body and stop to look at the next condition. This condition consists in the 18th Psalm of David where the Holy Spirit with the right that he alone has reveals the conditions based upon which we are called to collaborate our faith prayer with the name of God El Elyon or God Most High. And this condition consists so that in the circumstances of our hardship in life, when we are putting off the old man, we can call upon the Most High as to our God, as to El El Yon, as to our God, and confess the faith of our hearts, stating, saying who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ. 
specifically this is what David confessed in this prayer. We've noted that this story is one of the most powerful and voluminous symbols where we see the collaboration of our renewed mind in the form of King David and the name of God Most High and also the confrontation of our renewed mind with our carnal mind in the form of King Saul together with reigning sin in the form of our old person with his deeds. David needed to battle with Saul and with the Malachites. And of course, Saul, he did not fight. He, he ran away. David could not raise his hand against the anointed uh, of God. If we destroy our mind, God will not be able to do anything for us. And so in one body, there are two anointed kings. As in Israel, there were two anointed kings, Saul and David. One presented the wise abilities of the spirit, the other the wise abilities of the soul. Saul presented the wise abilities of the soul that was not renewed by the spirit of his mind. It more depended from the Malachites, who he said, oh, you're my brother, sit with me. As you remember, he saved the king. God sent him to destroy the old person, but he did not destroy him. He saved him and all of his sheep and his flocks, which brought Samuel to anger, and he, being angry, chopped off the head of this Amalekite. This is something Saul was supposed to do. And when the Philistines, the unclean thoughts, fell upon Saul, at this time the Amalekites attacked David and his camp. And he at this time was in another place. And when he returned, his camp was robbed. The women and children were taken. The Malachites took them, who Saul saved. People were so sad, they wanted to stone David. But beca because of the Urim and the Thummim that was upon the ephod and that were with David, at this time David took the ephod of the high priest with himself. He, he carried it upon his path. It had the breastplate of judgment and these twelve precious stones where the arm and thumb was. He told them, bring me the ephod, and they brought it, and he asked from the Lord, should I go? Will I find them? Will I take my people back? And God said, yes, go, you will find them, and you will take them back. And that's when Saul experienced a loss from the Philistines. David overcame the Amalekites and destroyed the Amalekites and took everything they had and not just their, his own but everything that they had as well. There was so much that they needed to share uh, with others. He sent gifts. We know that the psalm was written by David when God saved him from his enemies, Saul and his enemies. Because it is by the means of the confession of the faith of the heart stating who God is to us in Jesus Christ, what God has done in Christ Jesus, and who we are to God in Jesus Christ, God receives the required basis or grounds to join the battle for our earthly bodies in order to shame the old person by the power of his redemption and forever cast him out into hell with voice. In character, the prayer psalm of David contains three parts where we see the example of the character of, of legitimate prayer. The first part identifies the state of the heart of David 
the altar itself and the altar will be holy and everything that is placed upon the altar will become holy and so this was the grounds for the legitimate status of David's prayer the second part reveals the consistency of his legitimate prayer where God which gave God the basis to deliver David from the hand of all his enemies and the third part describes the prayer battle itself which surpasses the comprehension of the human mind because it is written in an epic format in a specific format we've already looked at the first part and stopped to study the second part which reveals the consistency of the legitimate prayer in the eight names of God most high getting to know and confessing the power contained in the heart of David in the eight following names of God allowed David to love and call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and be saved from our enemies and for God discovering the truth revealing the power of his names in the heart of David provided God proper grounds to use his abilities that consist in his eight names to battle against the enemies of David I will love you O Lord my strength the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Psalm 18, 1 through 3. There are eight names of God. There's actually 50, but the theologians can't count them up in any way, and that is because first you need to know the Hebrew language, and you need to perfectly understand that some names are concealed and they're not able to read them. But worshippers of Baal knew this, which is why Baal, the idol, also had 50 names that were God's names. They applied these names to their god Baal. And so eight names of God. Why only eight? Because eight is a number of the covenant. David presented these eight names as the number of the covenant. The Holy Spirit always uh, have uh, has a reason for numbers. The Lord is my strength. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord is my deliverer. The Lord is my strength in whom I will trust. The Lord is my shield. The Lord is the horn of my salvation, and the Lord is my stronghold. In a specific format, as much as the Lord has allowed in the measure of our faith, we already looked at the lot of our inheritance in the power contained in God's name strength, and have turned to look at our lot and the power of a rock as the name of God Most High. The inner consistency contains an unearthly form of hardness that is inherent exclusively to the nature of the Heavenly Father and is something that can not be comprehended by the regular human mind. We noted that the nature of prayer where David confesses his inherited lot in the existing names of God Most High is purposed to be the calling and mantle of a king and a priest and a prophet anointed by the Holy Spirit to rule over his earthly body. And if a person is not anointed to reign over his calling, that is his earthly body, his calling is his earthly body, then this prayer is not for him and will not benefit him. Therefore, the quality in Lexus or vocabulary identifying a rock in the sense of the characteristic of hardness that we will be we are studying has no relation to the definition of the word as it exists in the dictionaries of this world. Since a rock is 
is a identification and specification of the quality and nature of God exclusively. In scripture, the definition of the word rock as the characteristic hard relating to the natural quality of God most high is illustrated in the following way. Hard is resistant, strong, healthy, wise, tested or tried, rooted, well-established, immovable, constant, continual, fearless, unquenchable, or undiminishing, unpenetrating for sin, free from sin, and independent from sin, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's the quality of a rock as it refers to the characteristic of hardness pertaining to the name of God Most High found in Scripture in these forms. Stone, cliff, a span, a measuring wreath, or a rod, heaviness, weight, and scales. This means a specific weight by which you can determine the price and worth of the weight individual or item. As it is written, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, And so a span is the between the thumb and the pinky, that measure between the two. Who has measured the waters in the hell of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales, and the hills in a balance, who has directed the spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel, and who instructed him? And who taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge, and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in a bucket, and are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the isles as a very little thing, Isaiah 40, 12-15. Therefore, the inherited law contained in the power of the name of God, Rock, contains the ability of the Most High to judge, to measure, or weigh upon the scales of his godly justice all the made by him creation in order to reward or punish each according to their results or in accordance to their works, the good or evil that, that they had done. Then the fingers of the hands were sent from him, and this writing was written, and this is the inscription that was written. And here for the first time the Holy Spirit shows a couple of the words of the angelic language that people speaking in tongues that this is a language the devil doesn't understand. Sometimes people ask me can you speak in tongues? I want to hear it. I open the scripture and say, here, listen. It says, it's written here. The words of, of tongues. Mene, mene, shakal, ufarsin. This is the interpretation of each word. Mene, God has numbered your kingdom and finished it. Which means prayer in tongues. One word can mean an entire sentence. And so the devil can't understand it, and our mind can't understand it. When our spirit prays, it speaks mysteries to God. Tekel, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. He has weighed, been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Mene Tekel. And so again, this is the language of tongues and that God speaks in and that was God had written upon the wall, you have been weighed in the balances and found wanting. Again, two phrases here in one word. And Peres, your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. And today they'll take your life from you, he had said. 
Daniel 5, 24 through 28. According to what we've learned here, to be clothed into the power of a rock of the Lord is to be clothed into the fear of the Lord, that is, into wisdom that comes from above, giving us the ability to judge or to weigh upon the scale plates of the Lord, first ourselves and then those people that we are responsible for. You shall not have in your bag differing weights, a heavy and a light. You shall not have in your house differing measures, a large and a small. You shall have a perfect and just weight and a perfect and just measure, that your days may be lengthened in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. For all who do such things, all who behave unrighteously, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 25, 13-16. And so our words are these scales and we need to say them correctly so that they be perfectly accurate to the truth in their weight not to belittle the word of God not to pervert the word of God scales or scale plates of the Lord pertaining to the name of God rock is the absolute power and ability of the most high identified as his wisdom to fairly judge or weigh all of the made by him creation so that each one weighed upon the plates of these scales receive his reward according to his results weights of the most high are commandments and statutes of the most high according to which he judges or weighs upon the scale plates of justice the made by him creation therefore to possess the power of the most high consisting in his name rock is to possess power to the right to judge yourself and judge those people that we carry responsibility for within the parameters of the commandments and statutes of the Lord or to weigh your words and actions upon the scale plates of justice of the Most High, as well as the words and actions of those people that we carry responsibility for. And to apprehend and to be clothed into the er unearthly virtue of a rock, in the sense as the characteristic hardness contained in the name of God Most High, which satisfies our hunger and thirst and gives us power over our calling, we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions. What, in essence, is the characteristic of hardness as it pertains to the power of rock as the name of God Most High? What this is the characteristic of hardness called to fulfill in our prayer what price do we need to pay in order to be clothed into the characteristic of hardness and by what results do we judge that we are truly possessing the characteristic of hardness consisting in the power of rock as the name of God most high we have noted that all of the names of God discover themselves in each other because they are dissolved in one the other, come one from the other, and demonstrate one the other. They empower one the other and identify the truthful nature of one the other. Therefore, in the given Psalm of David, the eight names of God Most High are presented in the form of a sequence where each succeeding name is a demonstration of the previous name or discovers itself in the following after itself name. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study the third question. What price do we need to pay in order to have the right to clothe our spirit into the characteristic of the hardness or rock of God so that God would receive the legitimate basis to keep us in perfect peace? As it is written, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Isaiah 26.3 A person who does not have this strong spirit will not be able to have peace.
peace with God and God will not be able to do anything for him. He does not give God the proper basis to keep him in perfect peace. In a specific format, we've already looked at the price of four conditions that when fulfilled are called to clothe our spirit into a rock of the Lord. Therefore, we will turn to look at the fifth condition. The price of the fifth condition is to implement God's order into your calling or subject your calling to the structure of God by the means of righteous judgment. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten, and let them judge the people at all times, then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing, and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure, and all the people will also go to their place in peace. Exodus 18, 21-23. I will remind us that the legitimacy and ability to judge with just judgment already by itself identifies our spirit having the quality of a rock of God. We need to know that the rock quality of our spirit first consists in the fact that each one of us has specific things for which we are called to carry responsibility for and make decisions for. And if we will not be doing this and give the initiative to our neighbor, children, husband, wife, pastor of the church, other members, the president, the mayor of the city, or whomever else, we not only will lose our sovereignty, but will also encourage our neighbor to break our sovereign boundaries. While looking at the qualities which are the price for the right to possess the virtue of a rock of God within our spirit, so that we can rule over ourselves in accordance to the demands that are implemented by God in Scripture, we see here who can rule, the signs, characteristics of one who rules, and we are called to rule over ourselves and so we need to again rule over ourselves and its characteristics we need to apply for ourselves and, and so for, for this we look at the first phrase of the studied by us text moreover you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God men of truth hating covetousness and play, and place such we yield four characteristics from this writing that we need to have so that our spirit could be clothed into a rock of the Most High, giving us the right to the power to rule over ourselves as well as over those people that we carry responsibility for before God. And so to be valiant, it is to be valiant, have the fear of the Lord, be a man of truth, hate covetousness. In the previous services, we, in a specific format, already looked at the first two characteristics. Therefore, we'll immediately look at the third char characteristic. The third characteristic giving us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into a rock of the Most High so that we can rule over ourselves is to be a man of truth or fair. To be a man of truth or fair is to stand guard of the code of truth by which we are called to think, speak, and act. Here is one of many places of scripture that contains some of the components of this code of truth or righteousness. 
See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who is called, who is called you is faithful, who also will do it. 1 Timothy 5.15-24 In this place of scripture we see the role of God and the role of man in our collaboration with the truth about our sanctification and the Holy Spirit that gives us the right to the power to clothe our spirit into the rock of the Most High so that with diligence we can rule over ourselves. If we will not fulfill our part of the work, then God will receive if we will fulfill our part of the work then God will receive the proper basis he needs to fulfill the promised by him part of the work in order to sanctify us in fullness so that our spirit, soul, and body would be able to be kept without blemish at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and we will remember that until we by faith receive into our heart the promise about the destruction of the stronghold of death within our body and the erection of the stronghold of life in its place corruption or Evil will continue within our body in the form of the old person with his deeds. And so even if this corruption is bound in prison, because we are called to bind our old person within ourselves, but while he's there, the stronghold of life cannot be erected. Our role in sanctification called to keep our dedication in which we can continuously offer to God an offering of praise is, pre is presented in this place of scripture in ten conditions that are contained in the structure or the order of the law of righteousness standing guard of the holy of holy truth. These are ten conditions to be a man of truth to rule over yourself. We are not learning how to rule over someone else, but rule over ourselves. And so when we learn to then rule over ourselves, we would be able to then rule over the five, ten cities, as it is written in Scripture. Do not render evil for evil to anyone. Always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Rejoice always. We're studying here this continuous prayer. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies. Test all things that are good to God, hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Each of, of the ten presented conditions exist one in the other, come one from the other, empower one the other, complete one the other, and identify identify the truthful nature of one the other. Therefore, in each of the ten conditions are the balance of the other nine conditions. Therefore, the legitimacy of each of the, of the conditions is tested by the presence of the other conditions within it, which joined together are unified, having a wonderful balance of the one who is perfect in knowledge. And so if there's a glass of water that stands uh, in front of me, if you... put ten different ingredients and you mix them all up together, then you will be drinking them all evenly because they are all together. Water uh, is are actually uh, minerals that are all together as well. Nevertheless, each of the 
and conditions have their own specific image, their own unrepeated and inherent exclusively to its own taste, color, odor, and character behavior, and as a result has its own, has its own exclusive and specific application and its own specific purpose. Considering that the definition of being a, ma a man of truth is to stand guard of your dedication by the means of continuous sanctification, I will remind us that from one angle, sanctification of what is being dedicated is separating the pure from impure and the holy from the unholy. And from the and from the other angle is vigilance and prayer where we keep or protect our heart from all kinds of evil and foreign thoughts. And so the first requirement of being a man of truth in your dedication to God by the path of sanctification is not render evil for evil to anyone. Repay no one evil for evil. Have, re have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. This means, again, not with everyone can you have peace. Bel beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will replace of the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him drink, for in so doing you will keep coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Romans 12, 17-21. I will remind us that the phrase we can't love all enemies, but only specific enemies. We need to love those that are our household. We need to love people of the world because they don't know God. And they are in need of us in need of salvation. We need to love infants in Christ because they are enemies that's because they don't understand you they, sp they suffer from our presence they want to be free of us they think we're either religious or just deceived because they don't understand the time hasn't come he's an infant he's a child and you need to be considerate of that fact we also need to treat our enemies as our soul, we need to love our soul, hate within our soul uh, s this corruption, and hate the fact that is, she is a wife of reigning sin, because who reigns in our body is the one that's our husband. If reigning sin is in our body, then he is our husband. And so we are not able to then legitimately marry Christ. In order to legitimate, uh, legitimately marry Christ, you need to die uh, so does Nabal, does King die, or we die with this foolish Nabal? And so there are wicked and lawless people and Satan that we need to not communicate with, that we need to not bless, and that we are not to love. And so this is talking about only a certain category of enemies and so the phrase if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably with all men indicates a somewhat exception to the rule where we see that it's not possible to have peace with all men good relationships with corrupt company who fill the churches of Christ is a sin and is the reason why our names will be blotted from the book of life and we will not be allowed into heaven do not be deceived evil company corrupts good habits awake to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of God. I speak this to your shame. 
1 Corinthians 15.33, if we will not distance ourselves from and will not break our relationship with people that have the look of godliness, then we, they will corrupt our good habits and we together with them will inherit damnation. I know this, but in the last days, perilous times will come. These are people in the church for men will be, these men in the church, there will be men in the churches who will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And the most important thing is they'll hide all of this. They're not going to show these things. Having a form of godliness but denying its power and from, su from such people turn away 2 Timothy 3 1 through 5 if you imagine this entire bouquet of evil this this terrible bouquet they will cover will cover behind a godly uh, a godly robe or something attractive that will be to people just like uh, Jesus said about the priests, that you are like whitewashed tombs that are beautiful outside, but inside are full of dead men bones. And so, I do have a very strong a sense of smell as the Tower of Lebanon. I immediately de uh, determined them. For people that use the principles of faith for materialistic success, we need to distance ourselves from them and run away because they are idol worshippers. Useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and astute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain, from such withdraw yourself. This is a third place of scripture we're reading where it says to withdraw yourselves from them, <coughs> to distance yourself from them, that preach that we need to be successful if we're not successful that we're bound by the spirit of poverty is what they say if because if someone would preach this in the Old Testament they would be uh, stoned how many times they come to me oh my brother he's famous he's preaching and those millionaires that sell their books they thought they're gonna become rich and they're selling uh, their books, $500 each book. And they deceived uh, the children of God, and the children of God thought they'd become wealthy. You can read as much as you want. Only those whom God allows to be rich will be rich. A person doesn't become rich because of his own mind. This is not dependent on the mind. Often, people who are not very intelligent have lots of money and have s intelligent managers that work their companies or businesses that allow them to be wealthy. And so he could even be a fool. He received it as an inheritance from his father and then he hires an intelligent person who will then run the business and keep him, as well, him uh, wealthy. Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and clothing, with these we shall be happy. But 
those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men into destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of, a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many arrows. For you, O man of God, flee these things, and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. 1 Timothy 6, 5-11 through 11. Friendship with an angry man and a furious man is a hanging rope for our soul. Here we're talking about evil. Do not uh, reward evil for evil, and you need to avoid this evil also. Do not make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. Do not go, lest you lest you lean or le lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Proverbs 22:24-25. With people who receive except bad information or rumors about their neighbor and people who pass it on to others, it is necessary not to have friendship with them. He who goes about as a tale-bearer reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with one who flatters with his lips. Proverbs 20:19. Also, do not be friends with political evildoers who form governmental turns or changes because destruction will come from them suddenly. My son, fear the Lord and the King. Do not associate these those given to change, for their calamity will rise suddenly, and who knows the ruin those two can bring. Proverbs 24, 21 through 22. You know what the people in Ukraine, what happened uh, there? Protestants, for their 90% of them, turned to the side of the Banderas, and they wrote me letters saying these things, imagine, and they became, and so Nazis came to power, I had said this from the stage, and they became angry, asking me, how is it that you uh, say these things, why are you messing in our politics, I'm not messing with the politics, you're the one that uh, have done this in this country. And so they ask sometimes our members, is that your pastor for Putin or for Poroshenko, which is, I am for Christ. What is what? What kind of questions are these? If I'm going to live in Ukraine, I'm going to fulfill the requirements of Poroshenko, which are not contradicting with the Bible. If I live in Russia, I will fulfill the requirements of Putin that are not contradicting with Scripture. And here, I will fulfill the requirements of Trump that, again, do not contradict with the truth. I defend the interests of heaven. What does Ukraine or Russia have anything to do with it? It's only people who have fallen into a trap. I looked at the reports after Poroshenko had lost the election. He went to the Baptist church and there was preaching and shouting, saying, brother and sister, hallelujah, and everybody was yelling hallelujah with him. It was very strange to watch this person uh, in a church, in a Protestant church in general. The second requirement of being a man of truth in their dedication to God. Uh, it looks like our time is up. I will leave this for the next service.
or I can I can finish. That's the second requirement of being a man of truth in your dedication to God by the path of sanctification is to always pursue what is good both for yourself and for all. Seek good and not evil that you may live so that the Lord God of hosts will be with you as you have spoken. Hate evil, love good. And you can hate evil only in carriers of evil because evil, again, and good are just programs that without a programmable system uh, are not able to demonstrate themselves. So you can't hate or love. Do you love righteousness and lawlessness outside? It's not possible outside of a programmable system. And so hate evil in the original carriers of evil and love good carriers of good. Establish justice in the gate. Our gate is our mouth. Stay, say the right thing so that your weights can be accurate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Amos 5.14 And so to seek good toward one another is to hate carriers of evil and love carriers of good. The gates of justice is the, the door of our mouth. It's to dedicate your mouth to confess the truth that abides in your heart in order to defend and justify the one that is guiltless and condemn the one that is guilty. Let us bend our knees and pray. And may the Lord bless us. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, again and again, I thank you for the opportunity to again and again worship upon this place that your hand is appointed to worship you. May your nation be blessed before your face. When they hear your words, may they be a treasure for them may it be in their heart may they confess it with their own mouth as their own personal riches may they glorify you for who you are for them and what you've done for them we thank you father that we are your children and you are our father and that we can by Jesus Christ through Jesus Christ, we can pr uh, lift our prayers to you that are satisfying your word, and you will fulfill it because you greatly desire to fulfill it. You desire to heal the nation from the curses of poverty, belittlement, illnesses, generations of it. The time is coming when you will magnify your people. You will lift them up in a way that the kings will see and will be surprised because no one has ever told them about this because at this time you will give your people such great wisdom due to which they will be able to overcome at the end of days all of the economic structures of the world because people out of God are not able to distribute it properly and correctly and so the ones suffer and die from hunger but I thank you that we today can live not just with this food that we have here physical food but with spiritual bread that can also support our mortal bodies and we will not die from hunger you brought Moses to yourself upon the mountain 
and forty days and nights three times in a row forty times forty days three times he did not eat or drink he did not become skinnier he did not be he was not thirsty he was not hungry he was being nourished by your truth I thank you that you have taught us not to be afraid of hunger or economic destruction because we have your word that in any situation will either give us wisdom and in a miraculous way will support us with physical food or you will support us with spiritual bread with your word that comes from your mouth because your word abides forever and we thank you that we are delivered and free from this fear that today is shaking all of the kingdoms of the world and all the nations even millionaires are afraid today because if an economical crisis happens their millions will mean will mean nothing revolutions will then arise and the nation is afraid but we thank you that you've already delivered us from that fear we thank you that we have our lot which is within your wonderful names may your mercy be blessed now and forever in your nation may your nation be freed f from the lawless and unclean people may they receive the ability to bind in themselves the old person and take control over their lusts and their ambitions to become truly free and rejoice in that freedom I worship together with your people our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and so let us finish our service with our unchanging epigraph now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever amen